you you know what? Let, let, let's just let them speak for themselves. Brian Bell joins us now. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Hey, y'all. How we going? I'm doing all right. Uh, thank y'all for inviting me onto the show. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Yes, thank you for waking up early. I know you're on the, the West Coast, and uh, it's 8.13 over there, so we appreciate you you joining us early. Yes, bright and sunny out here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to make a habit of waking up early over the last week or so, and so like any excuse to get me out of bed around 7 a.m., I'm okay with <laughs> right now. Y'all caught me at the perfect time. <laughs> There's one thing I love. It's the summertime where it forces you to get up early. The sun is up. You can get up too. It's not dreary and gross outside, right? It's not so bad. Especially out here where like, you know, usually, you know, whenever my spouse and I like go to sleep, like we sleep with like our, our bedroom windows open and stuff because like, you know, you get the cool breeze of everything like that. And then you have to wake up because it's all of a sudden is starting to creep up. It's going to get like 95 out here today. And that's, I, like, I grew up in Georgia. I left Georgia partially because of the Georgia summers. And now it's followed me out here and it's very annoying. That's the way that it goes though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you travel and you're like, oh, I'm going to ditch the rain. And all of a sudden it's raining wherever you go. Well, see, I don't mind that. Okay, I came out here for the rain and I don't get it as much as I thought I would. I look. I live in Ohio. I can't say anything about any type of weather. Ohio is like the worst <laughs> state in the world. So wherever you're living, it, it's got to be better than here. Uh, I enjoy it. So let's let's get right into this. Uh, you you made some some headlines the last couple of days. You were in the news because of the the Rick Steiner situation. How did this? How did you get involved specifically? in the conversation and the discourse and talk to me about uh, where, where it started and how it all came through. I mean, so this really all started back in April, whenever the initial incident happened at, at WrestleCon, right? Actually March 31st, which, you know, was also international trans day of visibility, which added a lot of extra uh, heat uh, onto this whole situation, uh, considering that Giselle, you know, is an out trans woman in, in pro wrestling. I was in LA for WrestleMania week, down there and you know whenever that happened like i just you know started doing my job and, and re was reporting that out and then you know after that initial like wave of stuff like like anything you move on to other stories and that sort of thing and then sunday all of a sudden you see the announcement from russell Kahn that rick and scott are going to be at the the convention in detroit in august around SummerSlam, and I just jump back into like work mode. I'm like, all right, well, I need to figure out what's going on here, especially after reading the, the statement that Michael uh, released alongside that announcement. So, yeah, I, I just I reached out to Michael, you know, just to, you know, I wanted to get more information about this so that I could cover it properly. And whenever I reached out to him, like he asked me if we could do a audio interview instead of, you know, just answering email questions which you know those kind of talking to people is actually is like way better than like having people answer questions via email in this, in this line of work so i yeah i agreed to it and we sat down monday morning um i woke up early for him as well and um and we we spoke for a little over an hour about everything and, and that entire conversation went up on the lgbt in the ring podcast feed tuesday morning around the same time that my article went up on outsports and and then all of a sudden like it just went really quickly after that right like we we had our conversation and 
all that stuff went up. I was I had to go to a doctor's appointment <laughs> Tuesday morning, so like as soon as like the article and everything went up, I was like out of commission for about an hour and a half, and then I come back, and that's you know whenever I started hearing rumblings that there was going to be another statement, and then that you know, and I talked to Michael, and Michael informed me that they, they were going to be releasing that that press release about removing Rick from the convention, um, and I. You know, ran with that, updated my story, and then I didn't. He told me he was going to like reference our conversation in the press release. I did not realize it was going to be like exactly what it was, you know. And so, like seeing that, like that, just kind of blew this whole thing up um, to where a lot of people like were coming out very supportive of you know my speaking with Michael, Michael speaking with me. Obviously, you got the the random Twitter trolls that were not going to give like the breath in this moment. But, but yeah, like it, it, it was interesting for me to see how this all played out because in my mind, I was just like doing my job as, as a journalist. Right. And then to see that Michael was like citing our conversation specifically in terms of like creating a code of conduct and an anti-harassment policy that is now being adopted across all the major wrestling conventions, like, you know, and, and our conversation kind of leading to him, uh, you know, giving Rick the ultimatum in that way. Like I, I never expected for him to credit me as much as he did on that. And and that was kind of surreal. Um, and yeah, now here we are now, like, this is just, it's just been a, a very uh, wild and um, humbling and uh, very heartening 24 hours, I would say. What was your your general sense in talking to Michael like during the conversation and then after the conversation of did you think, okay, we're making progress, he understands, or were you like, all right, I'm not really getting through to anything here? I thought after our after our conversation that there was definitely some information and some perspectives that got through to to him. You know, like I think if you listen to to the podcast, um you hear like very near the end, like he basically agrees that Rick should make a statement and that should be contingent on him joining the convention, you know? And, and I didn't, I, like at that point, I didn't know that he was like, you know, giving him 24 hours to make a statement before anything was going to happen. Um, I didn't realize that, that him removing Rick was on the table as quickly as it was because of all that situation. But like, he was open to the conversation. He, and he said multiple times, like, you know, I, I wanted the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was I wanted to get, a different perspective i wanted to learn because clearly like what i said on sunday in my statement you know wasn't good you know it didn't communicate these sort of things i don't necessarily that's all paraphrasing and not i don't want to put words in, in michael's mouth per se but he was very open to to my thoughts and i think a lot of the criticisms that that he faced on social media as well you know he, he was very receptive you mentioned uh, there that it, there was talk of a code of conduct being made for WrestleCon. Is that something that you are either going to be a part of or would like to be a part of in its formation? Um, Michael has not reached out to me about being part of that. I know they have like a first draft uh, that's already up on their website up there. You know, I, I don't necessarily – that would be an odd thing to do just in terms of like – treating 
like the, the separations of the job, right? In that way, like I'm definitely like I'm glad to have the conversations there. I'm glad to like look over something and then make critiques, like maybe not necessarily like being in the room and that sort of thing, because I still feel like you can impact the stuff by by doing that specifically. But for me, like personally, like I I don't know, like wrestling media, you can blur lines a bit more at times in an acceptable way, at least to like your audience as opposed to other areas of journalism i don't necessarily know if that that's a good or bad thing but i try and like keep that separation as much as i i can at times i say that as someone who like promoted a wrestling show last year so i i don't know like i let's put it this way if michael asked me i would think about it but i don't necessarily know if i would say yes or no in at this very moment the the first statement that that came out. I know you reached out to, to Michael. You had the conversation with him after. But what were your initial thoughts on, on the first statement? That just like what kind of stuck with you? Of like, okay, you know what? This isn't great. Let me try to have a conversation with him. Well, my initial reaction was frustration because there was so much, uh, so many of the comments that that he made about like justifying Rick coming back and and around, you know events that publicly hadn't been known around the April, uh, March, April incident uh, that he talked about there were expressed with such vague terms. Like there was really no concrete information there. And the fact that, you know, yes, Rick apologized privately to WrestleCon staff and impact staff and other wrestlers, notably not Giselle, Giselle chose not to be there, and I, I completely stand behind her 100% on that decision. Like she doesn't owe Rick or anybody that, that time of day. Um, but I think it was really just the vague nature of it and, and kind of looking at the reasoning behind it, right? Because we, we haven't heard from Rick in three months. No one has. People have reached out to try and talk to Rick. I have reached out to, talk to, to try and talk to Rick. I reached out to the Cherokee County School Board to try and get, to get them to talk about this situation back whenever it first happened. And luckily they were on spring break. So they were able to have a reason to not, not re respond to emails for a week. Um, but I think like looking at, at that aspect specifically, like Rick has not done anything publicly to atone for this. He has not done anything to show that as, as Michael put it in, in his initial statement that he has learned from this at all. And the fact that that initial statement had none of that evidence there um, was supremely frustrating. And that was something that also came up in our conversation. And then, you know, Michael kind of pointed to like, you know, maybe he was a bit, um, he was basing his opinion based m uh, more so off of that private apology um, than, than anything. And that that was probably short-sighted of him to do, especially considering that, you know, he, hadn't really gathered the LGBTQ perspective on this whole situation and that sort of thing. Not to mention the fact that there was an apology video made in April while Rick was still in Los Angeles that was never released. Sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. Oh, I didn't know if it, it froze up for a second. So, so hold on. Uh, go, going back to that. So there was a, an apology video that, that Rick made that Never saw the light of day. Yeah, yeah, that that came up in in our in, on the interview that's on the podcast feed. Like 
Rick made after the the apology meeting that happened, the, the private mediated event, as um, as Michael put it in that Sunday statement. Um, Rick made an apology video, and Michael encouraged him to release it. And I, you know, Michael said, and whenever we, we talked, like that video was um, was something that he wanted Rick to release. Rick decided not to. Rick asked Michael if they would release it on WrestleCon's Twitter account. And Michael declined because he didn't at that point in time, like he thought that if he did that, that would show that would look like WrestleCon is supporting Rick. And that's not something that he wanted to do. And so but like outside of that, like it just never got put out there. And there's really no explanation why. The only person who knows why that didn't happen is Rick. The LGBTQ community has been so interesting to me in wrestling because there was a time when wrestling was not very, you know, welcoming and inclusive. And in, in some ways, unfortunately, it's still somewhat like that. Um, but in situations like this, you see the LGBTQ community kind of rally together and support each other. Um, talk to me a bit about just the, the community itself and like how it's grown in the professional wrestling circle, because you, you're, you're seeing a lot of not just talent, but just a lot of fans uh, who are openly a part of the LGBTQ community getting more and more involved there. Yeah, I mean, it's been a wonderful thing to watch the the growth really explode over the last like five, maybe going back seven years at this point. You know, I I got into I got my job at Outsports at the perfect time. Like I started there at 2019. And it's just been hitting the ground running and watching, you know, more people in wrestling come out, more people in wrestling that were already out, you know, being in elevated positions and seeing attitudes towards LGBTQ people within the pro wrestling world change a lot. And that is, I think, contributes to why they're, you're seeing more um, vocal and more very much out there LGBTQ pro wrestling fans as well because they are they're seeing people that represent them now on like not just in the independence where a lot of this really began you know like so many other things in pro wrestling but you're seeing them on like major televised promotions nationally televised promotions you're seeing them all over the world like you know i do the, the qwi 200 list every year like the top 200 queer pro wrestlers for the year and they're I have I've included wrestlers from like Chile, Brazil, Japan, Finland, Spain, Belgium, Italy. Like it's all over the place, and the community is out all over the place, and they are being supported, overwhelmingly supported. Like you said, there's all there are always issues to work on. There are there are problematic people within this industry that that are still have a presence, unfortunately, in in that way. But at the end of the day, like. LGBTQ people are really thriving in, in pro wrestling over, over the last five or so years. And it's been wonderful to watch. And, and I, I can't wait to watch it grow more. Like this last year, like remember I did the 2022 list for the 200, like I had to evaluate like 500 people for inclusion on that list. We're at that point. I could do a PWI 500 ish sort of thing. If I wanted to, that's too much work for me since I'm the only one that does it. But at the same time, like it's it's amazing to see that that no matter how you express your queerness, how you how you express your gender, um, what part of the community you belong to, um, there is someone in pro wrestling that you can find and look to 
that you can see yourself in. And that's a beautiful thing that we have not had historically in pro wrestling. I know a lot of people have kind of been at the the forefront of that Effie get, gets a lot of credit, especially with mm-hmm. Effie's big gay brunch, which has become like just a giant party uh, whenever the show happens. But I, I wanted to ask about AC Mack, who, who just wrapped up his his career, and yes. you know, he, he's retired. But AC Mack is somebody who really like put put the community on his shoulders and was first openly gay world champion and, and everything with the IWTV uh, World Heavyweight Title. You speak to just AC Mack's importance of, of the community. Oh sure. First off, absolutely love AC Mack adore that man i've had him on the podcast multiple times and that sort of thing he was the qwi 200 number one last year after winning that world title back in january of 2022 um mac is someone truly special both for like what he has done but also what he has represented not just for the community but for the region that he came out of right like i said i grew up in georgia i lived in atlanta for like 11 12 years before i moved out west right so i have very close ties to atlanta and to see someone like ac mack who has close ties to atlanta as well really be one of the people that put the southeast on his back you know so to speak and it wasn't just him but he was a major part of that you know with his action wrestling championship reign winning the iwtv world title down there bringing Uncharted Territory down into the TWE arena in uh, the outskirts of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, He helped put a spotlight on a region that, excuse me, has been a little wishy-washy when it comes to sustained growth in independent pro wrestling and sustained recognition in independent pro wrestling as well. Um, And at the same time, he's, really elevated a, a lot of the the i guess uh purview of lgbtq pro wrestling through that championship reign especially last year you know um not to mention doing that as while being an out gay black man in georgia um which granted atlanta is it's a friendly queer city i will say uh but at the same time like I lived in Georgia. I know how that can go. And I and and it's it's amazing to see the strength that he's shown and the people that he's inspired too. He came out of WWA for the school down there. And you know, I had Rico, his his partner, on before I had both of them on the the podcast before his final match that, that he just had. But when I talked to Rico, like you know, Rico and I were joking, like, you no, know, there's too like it's getting to the point where there's like too many gays at WWA four at this point. And that is an amazing problem to have. And without people like AC Mack, Ashton Starr, Danny Jordan, Alex Kane, you don't necessarily have a place where you, people from that community can feel comfortable doing that and can realize that they can find success in that as well. And I think that that's really, at the end of the day, his legacy is just is being an inspiration to so many different communities um, that have celebrated him and deservedly so. It's really funny that you mentioned, you know, it's a good problem to have, having so many out wrestlers in training and also fans and everything. What do you tell a wrestling fan who is both part of the LGBTQ community and is maybe a lapsed fan that was turned off from the way wrestling used to portray uh, anyone within the queer spectrum or not spectrum, but within the queer communities. Go watch Effie's big gay brunch. 
Go watch Pro Wrestling Vibes Paris is Bumping. Go watch the Cassandro Cup tournaments. You know, go watch Hood Slam. There are so many promotions now that not just feature LGBTQ people, but are led by LGBTQ people and understand the perspective that we have and infuse that into pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Not just our perspective, but our culture as well. You know, Paris is bumping. That whole thing is born out of you know the ballroom culture of the 80s in, in New York City, you know, which is an explicitly trans POC space that Billy Dixon infused with pro wrestling into an event that was, you know, I, I went to the only, I think they ran it three times. Two of them had fans at it. I went to both of the ones that had fans at it. It is one of the most affirming spaces for LGBTQ people and pro wrestling fans that I have ever been in. Same goes for the big gay brunch. Like that is, like you said, Jeremy, that is just one big party. One, it's like, it's, it's like they took three hours to just like threw an entire Pride weekend with some blood and some smacking into th- into three hours in in like a hall where it is way too hot and you're sweating on on each other. But I mean, it is I'm so proud. much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's just it's just understand that there's more to this than what you see on TV. There's more than just WWE. There's more than just AW or Impact or Ring of Honor. Um, or New Japan and that sort of thing, which all of those companies do have people from the community within them. They all have some form of LGBTQ representation on them, which, by the way, shout out Sonya Deville, finally winning her first championship and being like one of like one of the longest tenured out LGBTQ person at WWE at this point, but also being a huge advocate as well as being a, a wrestler there. So like it's it's just understanding that like if you're not seeing what you want to see on TV, there are other places. IWTV, Fight, um, Premiere, uh, Remix, that new one that just launched with Defy. They enjoy wrestling's on there, and enjoy wrestling for a company that's not necessarily run by queer people. That that show has queer people up and down the card. Uh, shout out Edith Surreal, their champion, and Envy Young, their first champion. Two outstanding names from the queer community in pro wrestling. So just understand that there is something out there. And look for it and find what you like. Brian, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. Um, any go ahead and plug, plug everything and any closing comments that you would like to make? Yeah, sure. So you can uh, check out my pro wrestling writing at Outsports. Uh, you can check out uh, the podcast LGBT in the Ring. New episodes release every Thursday. Every once in a while, you get a bonus one like this week, obviously. But typically, new episodes every Thursday. Um, you can support that show on Patreon, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. We have bonus shows that go up there um, on a monthly basis as well. And I guess you can follow me on Twitter if you want to at WonderboyOTM. So there we go. I typically forget my own Twitter handle at times when I'm doing plugs. So there we go. And Brian, Brian, thank you again for, for joining us. And thank you for look, having the conversation with Michael and everything to make things, in my opinion, right with WrestleCon, because I think a lot of people were frustrated when all of that came out. And I saw the quote tweets and the replies to it of like, what are we doing here with, with Rick Steiner? So I, you did something very important for the, for the wrestling community overall by reaching out to Michael and having that conversation with him. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank, again thank you for, thank you for joining us thank you for waking up early uh everyone go support brian and uh their work um can you see the 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 link there at lgbt ring pod i want to make sure i get that right uh on twitter yes. and then you can also follow brian on twitter as well and i will get this correct as well uh wonder boy otm 
on Twitter. And the links are in the description below if you're watching this as a singular cut video. Thank you, Brian. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go back to sleep if you need to. We really appreciate Uh, it. (laughs) I've got enough coffee in me at this point. I'm good to go. Y'all take care. There you go. Let's go. (laughs) 